thoughts. And I want to tell you actually where we're going from here. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the words of salvation uh, uh, for maybe three or four weeks. We're going to talk about some of the words of what happens when we come to know Christ. I hope it'll be encouraging to you all. And after that, I'm not sure yet. So I'm kind of uh, stalling a little bit and uh, dealing with some issues that I really want to uh, bring bring to you. Uh, when I think of the book of Colossians, I just think of Jesus, 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 and how throughout uh, our book, we've been in it uh, since I guess probably October of last year, and uh, we've been going passage by passage and taking a little break here and there, but Jesus is the answer for everything. It's the classic Sunday school uh, book because Jesus is the answer. But I was thinking about... Uh, you know, really reflecting on the whole book. And it really is in the backdrop of false teachers. And when I talk, when I say the word false teacher, uh, does it kind of, uh, kind of in, in your heart kind of go, ooh, bad people, you know? And if we had a false teacher in our church and we knew they were there, we'd point at them in the hallway, wouldn't we? And we'd, we'd kind of go, you know, and we would think of them as bad and they are, and they are. But the, when I was thinking about what it is to be a false teacher, uh, as I've been reflecting on the book of Colossians, uh, it's their best try. It's their best try. And I was thinking about taking tests. I don't know, this all kind of comes together for me. All right, my kids went back to school this week, and uh, you know, if you want to hear about how awful my life is, just, just stop me in the hallway and I'd love to tell you about our schedule and just how hard it is to be a parent and how much homework I'm about ready to do in these next couple of weeks and all that stuff. So uh, anyways, don't stop me in the hallway and ask because I will tell you. Uh, I was thinking about taking tests and you know, I, I've been to a lot of school myself, uh, and you take tests, and I've never had a teacher stand over me while I'm taking the test and say, uh-uh, don't, don't, don't mark that one out there. And then I go, oh, okay, I won't mark that one, and then go to the next question. Uh, 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 erase that one and move it over a couple of columns and mark that one right there. Uh, in fact, uh, most of the time, the teachers give you the information. They show you the chapters in the book. They tell you what's going to be on the test. They encourage you to study for the test. And then they give you the test and they leave you alone. They leave you alone. And if you don't want to study, uh, if you don't want to listen, if you don't want to get the right information, if you don't want to mark the right answer, they're more than willing to fail you. I, I'm not giving testimonials here, but I, maybe I am, maybe I'm not, you know. There's a sense in which uh, when you go to school, if you want to get the wrong answer, you're, you're more than capable to do so. And it, it's okay. It's a, it's a freedom of choice. And I, I know that I remember the days in high school where there were even some people that were proud as they would fail a test. There was, there was a sense of pride to, I didn't study and I failed that test. And they were bragging about their own, uh, they, they were showing their freedom of choice by saying, I didn't do anything. And look what, look what happened. And I don't care. As I think about the backdrop of the book of Colossians, 
that uh, really the false teachers are out there. There is other ways to go. There's other paths you can take. And to be honest, God is not uh, forcing and, and pushing you and correcting your answers and shoving you aside. He has allowed people the freedom of choice to make wrong decisions. Uh, we know that, don't we? We've made those decisions, haven't we? We can, uh, try, we can have testimonies of wrong answers that we have given and paths we have taken that led us to nowhere. But the book of Colossians is not talking about how many different wrong answers are there, there are out there. It's talking about Jesus. It's talking about Jesus being the right answer. I think sometimes in our hearts we shake an angry finger at those with different answers and we say, Ah, oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. But you know what? It's their prerogative to be wrong, Right? It's their decision. It's, it's sad. There should be a sense of burden in our heart when we see people going the wrong way. Because as they're answering on their test, as they're, and the thing that's so different about a test is uh, in school, you realize there's always a test that comes after that test, right? You know, uh, we'll try again next time. In fact, sometimes if you fail a class, they'll give you the privilege of taking that same class over again. But what's different about taking a test when it comes to your life in Jesus Christ or with Jesus Christ or without Jesus Christ is it's not a sense of, uh, we'll get them on the next test. Uh, we'll, we'll try again next time. We'll, we'll hit that class again. There's a sense of we are investing, our life is at stake here. And so the importance of the book of Colossians that goes over Jesus as being the right answer for life for us. And that's why I shared about uh, the pink dolphin thing over there. You know, it didn't matter what she put in there. I was going to talk about Jesus, okay? <laughs> I told some of my tricks there, sorry. <laughs> I just had to get there, you know. I, it was just a long ways, you know. When you see a pink sparkly dolphin, you know, what do you do? This morning, uh, we're going to look at the, really the last three verses and if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read them to you. Verse 16 says this, And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that, that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. God, we ask your blessing on our time. We ask that your Holy Spirit would work and uh, teach us now. God, uh, I use that word teaching, and sometimes we think of a classroom of just uh, simple things for children, and yet uh, the teaching that we need is important teaching for life. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would do that now, that we would be good learners, and not just good learners in a sense of filling our, our heads, but that our hearts would be filled, that we might live for you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
come to the end of a book and uh, you need to remember that this is not just a book to be put in the Bible. This is a letter from Paul to uh, a, a small church. We don't know how large it is, but a church that in many ways he doesn't know all that well, but they are in the midst of different answers, these false teachers all around them. That they have people and ideas, and really these ideas, as said earlier in the book, are based upon human tradition. They're based upon the best ideas that man can come up with. And at the end of this book, as he has presented Jesus, he really gives them three things. And this morning we're going to look at those three things. And hopefully uh, they'll encourage us as we look at them. Verse 16. And when this letter, what's this letter? Colossians, right? We, we call it Colossians. And when this letter um, has been read among you, have it also read in the church of, Laodicea, of the Laodiceans. If you want to uh, figure this out, you can go to the back of your Bible and look at uh, Paul's missionary journeys and you can see a map and you can see the proximity of uh, Colossae to Laodicea. Very close, very close. And so what... Uh, if you can picture this, we talked, I think it was last week, we talked about that these were messengers. Paul uh, got these messengers to come and to bring these letters to Colossae, and they, they brought this letter, that this letter is from Paul, it's really from God, from, to Paul, to bring it to you, this church. And they were to read it. Now, I think it's hard for us to imagine what this must have been like. Uh, how many of you have been to Barnes & Noble? seen a book or two, you know. Uh, I remember when Barnes & Noble came out and Borders and some of these others, and you just start walking through there. It, have you ever been overwhelmed and you say, I need a book, you, you, you like walk in the door and you say, I need a book. <laughs> There's books everywhere, you know. How, how am I going to find that book? And then they point you to a computer and you just get more overwhelmed because you know the whole computer's filled with books. And uh and even the idea of Amazon, you know, the, junk, the, the, the hugest bookstore on this earth that you've never been into. Uh, and you, you get this overwhelming sense of books. They did not have this in the biblical times. There wasn't a sense, it was very costly to even write a letter, to write a letter. And so there was great care done in this. And there wasn't a sense of a congregation having all uh, books in their possession, having scrolls, being able to read, all, all these things together. And so it was very different than we're used to right now. And so a messenger sent this, and we don't know if the messengers themselves were to read this before the church, but as the church gathered, you can imagine the anticipation that they had on receiving this letter from Paul. They knew that he was an apostle, and as an apostle, they just didn't think he was a great preacher. They knew that his message was sent by God. And so as they knew that he had sent them a message, they were super excited about what God was going to teach them through this letter, and so it was read to them. And we don't have the details of what must have happened, but I, I can imagine there was a sense of, anticipation as they gather and they say we're going to read this letter that has come from paul as it is read 
Undoubtedly, they're on the edge of their seats and possibly even through the messenger stopping in a moment and saying, did you get that? Did you get that last part? Uh, It took us a while to get through these four chapters. I can imagine as the church, the recipients of this letter, the, the original readers how, how they must have poured over these... Re- read that part again. Read it again. And I wonder if they just, from week to week to week, they just continued to read this letter. So it says, hey, read this letter. Obviously, it comes at the end, so they would know that they've already read this letter, right? So, But uh, anyways, he says, he says in verse 16, and when this letter has been read among you, meaning that... They all have it. They all have it in their possession. Not in the sense of having a copy of it, but knowing what it says. Knowing what it says. That's a difficult thing when it comes to the Word of God, isn't it? Uh, How many of you have read the the book of James in the Bible? Book of James. One of my children once told me, uh, they were asking what they should read in the Bible. I said, why don't you read the book of James? And they responded to me with, oh, I've already read that one. Those of you who are laughing, you know why that's funny, right? Because uh, you could read the book of James for a year, every day, and not understand all that's in there, right? There's a sense in which you have to go over the Scripture, and it's an interaction with God, and it's not something we finish the book and say, oh, we'll just pass this one along, because I've already read it. I'm done. And yet, uh, there's a sense in which, as they had gotten the message for themselves they were called to pass it on to this other city this church in this other city that was probably 10 to 20 miles away 10 to 20 miles you look at that they were in very close proximity and undoubtedly as i think about that um if do any of you have any family living in bakersfield any family living how many of you work in bakersfield you work in Bakersfield. How many of you used to work in Bakersfield? How many of you shop in Bakersfield? Okay, I gotcha. Why? Why? How come you? How come you don't uh, shop in Portland? Or yeah, you know, there, there's a sense of it's obvious that we would go to a place that's near us, but um, we'd have connection, and undoubtedly this church in Colossae would have connection with the church in Laodicea. I want to tell you something else. As much as we don't like to admit it, we receive a flavor from Bakersfield, right? Not just the smog. But uh, uh, we are connected to them, and we're kind of like them in many different ways. Some of you have lived down there, and you've moved up here. Some of you work down there. Some of you are tied to your family down there. And there's a sense in which... as Cities are close. They're dealing with the same things. They're dealing with the same things. Undoubtedly, as I think this through, I wonder how many false teachers were in Laodicea. Probably many. In fact, some might have been in there and then taken their message to the next town being Laodicea. And so as Paul was thinking through his message, he says, once you have it here, once you've read it, pass it on to Laodicea. Now, let me ask you a question. This gets into uh, really exciting things that I'm just going to graze over just a bit, but we're going to talk about them some other time. We have to, okay? So 
picture this being the one copy of the letter from Paul, okay? It's brought to the church of Colossae, the, the church. We are the church of Colossae. And uh, we need to send this down to the church of Bakersfield. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What do you think we're going to do? What? Copy it. Copy it. Um, I'm a little bit more... Okay, you're you're not saying I'm with I'm with Mike. I'm not sending the real thing. Okay, <laughs> would you would you just let this? You know, this is a letter. This is a message. It's for us, right? Right? He he. It's precious. It's something. And yet, uh, Paul told us to send it to Laodicea. And some of you, uh, moms and grandmas, would you know are saying, "No, you got to send the real thing. You got to send the real thing." <laughs> so maybe we would send the real thing. Mike and I got outvoted. Okay. And what would we do? We'd copy it, right? And this is the beautiful picture of what happened with the Bible. God's intention was it not to just stop there. It wasn't supposed to stop there. It was supposed to go on to believers in another place in another time. And so what happened, it was copied. It was copied. We assume so. It doesn't say anything in the text. We know that the Bible was copied. You know why? Because we have some of the copies, you know? Okay, it was copied and copied and copied and it went out from there. And you say, oh, you know, that that's that confusing thing. This is all how we got our Bible. Why was it copied? Because it was important to know. It was important to know. And as it was uh, heard by the Colossian church, they were commanded by Paul, hey, send it on. So they probably copied it, saved a copy for themselves, or maybe even they made a couple of copies. I don't know. But they copied it. They copied it, and so they could send it on. You see, the Bible has its intended readers, and yet there's the original recipients, and then there's the secondary recipients. And that's what we're doing today. That's what we're doing today. It's this beautiful picture of the truth of God's Word not stopping with a particular group but going on and going on and even for generations to come that He has given us a message of truth that we can live our lives by. You know, there was these secondary recipients and this is how the Word of God spread. It was copied and spread throughout the world. So you have the Laodiceans and this is where we get a little dicey here. I'll admit that. This is, this is where we get into the tough stuff. Okay, verse 16 says, And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. We're fine, we're fine, okay? Middle of verse 16. And, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So turn in your Bibles to Laodiceans chapter 2, Okay? What is that? I don't understand what that letter is. You know, we, we talked about that most likely uh, those messengers came last week. They didn't come last week. But as they were, we talked about them last week, they probably had this letter, the Colossian letter. They prob- maybe had Philemon. And maybe they had this other letter to Laodicea. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, what they had, how many letters they carried as they, they went. And so, so we're struggling with, what is this Laodicean letter? Is it a letter from Laodicea 
to, to Paul or to the Colossians? Or what, how does all this fit together? But I have a real theological answer for you, how all this fits together. I don't know. I don't know. Some, some have speculated that this was a letter from Epaphras to Laodicea, and it kind of paralleled what Paul shared to Colossae, that uh, as Paul was writing to Colossae, Epaphras was writing to Laodicea. There's no real evidence for that whatsoever. Okay, There's a sense in which that was speculation on one, and he took, ran with it. We don't know. Some have uh, speculated, and this was my favorite answer, by the way. This is my favorite answer that what they're speaking of is the book we call Ephesians. Ephesians. Um, the problem with that is probably that Ephesians was probably written after the book of Colossians, which would make it pretty hard for them to swap books if it hadn't been written yet. Okay? Uh, you're with me. And what, what that would do is, by the way, it would solve the problem of that this is the Word of God and only this is the Word of God. So you'd have... Two, you'd have one church having the book of Ephesians. It's called Ephesians, but probably has a, a you know wasn't named at the time of, of writing that came after. You have this letter to the Colossian church, and they're both written by Paul, both scripture, and they just swap them. Bam, they swap they swap parts of the Bible, and they read them, and they both benefit from them. Um, make a lot of sense. There's a lot of common themes in Colossians that are in Ephesians and vice versa. But I, the timing of it is probably difficult to coordinate. In fact, um, the Latin Vulgate, um, this is way too much history and background for me on a Sunday morning, especially after school started. But here we go. Uh, the Latin Vulgate uh, has a letter to the Laodiceans in it, written in Latin. Um, but nobody, virtually nobody from that time period believed that it was truly Scripture. So that's a problem. And it was probably one of those books that were written, they understood Colossians and they said, hey, we've got to find one of these books. And so they grabbed and they, they maybe even with, with malice pieced something together and brought it about uh, trying to bring it into Scripture. We don't know. We don't know. Okay. But this is what I want to tell you about how we got our Bible today. This is so exciting. And I, I hope uh, in a, a time in the future that we can really work through this together because I think it's important. We believe this is the Word of God. We believe this holds authority over us, authority over us, meaning that where we disagree with the Bible, we're wrong, okay? It doesn't matter how many of us are wrong, we're wrong, Okay? This isn't majority of wrong people rule. That's not what this is, okay? That's America, okay? Um, sorry. Sorry. Um, wrong answers rule. Uh, no, uh, so, so what this is, is we have a picture of how we got the Scripture, we have, we have a picture of how we got our scriptures. There's lots of letters being written back and forth in the time of the New Testament. There's lots of letters. There's letters from people who aren't apostles, aren't sent by God, just writing things. And as there are writings here today, there's things going on and things are happening. But not all of them are the Word of God. And this is what's hard for us to grasp. 
not even everything that Paul wrote was the Word of God. Meant to be preserved for us today. And so what happened is over time, God's people heard these letters and they said, wow, that, that is something. We need to hear that again. We need to copy that. And we understand that's authoritative. That's from God. This is a message from God. And they treated it as such. And over generations, they continued to treat it as such. And in those first, those first years, we get a, a sense of what God is doing. He's doing this. He's identifying His Word to be authoritative, meant to be listened to. He's showing it to be perfect and without error. Okay, he's having it copied so that we can have it today. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, the whole process of us having the Bible today is just an amazing thing. He is preserving his word that we might have it today. And so uh, I want to tell you this, that I think the way this plays out is this. The Colossian letter, the one that we have, is the word of God. The Laodicean letter is not the Word of God, okay? It's not that it wasn't important, and it wasn't that it wasn't even true. It just wasn't meant and intended by God to be preserved for us today. As I said before, we should talk about this more, and we will, and we will, as God gives us opportunity. So my first point, uh, as he he concludes this uh, letter to the Colossian church, he says, read your Bible, read your Bible. Hear from God. Hear from Him. You know, it's so easy for us to, uh, for the most part, we're a pretty educated bunch here. Uh, We can read. We can understand language. And some of you are very educated and very analytical. And that's maybe a danger for you. A danger for you. And you say, oh, do you have to be stupid to read the Bible? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's very difficult. There's some things in it that are hard to process. But if you're smart, there's a danger of a couple of things. That you're so interested in how it's formed and the message and you get into the intricacies that you want to own it and, and show your mastery over it and show your, how smart you are that you've understood what God has said. And instead of it humbling you, and bringing you low, and bringing you to the place where you can be moldable in His hand, you become puffed up with pride. And you go to Bible study, and you say, well, I looked that up this week. And let me tell you what I've understood that you probably were too dumb to get. <laughs> let me tell you. And you, 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 you know, I have a, um, you know, I graduated from high school, and someone says, well, great. I graduated from college. Well, you didn't go to a very good college because I know the college you went to. I went to a private college. Someone else goes, I went to a Bible college, okay? I have my master's degree, my, you know, PhD and all these other things. I know Mike doesn't care about that at all. But uh, we, we throw that around and it's a danger for us as we come to the Word of God that we forget that this is a message from God to change us. That He has intended and He has preserved His Word, not so that we would get puffed up and feel better than everyone around us, but that we would be changed by the message. I picture that Colossian church. What a beautiful thing it must have been. 
as they were struggling with so many different things and hearing these different voices of human reason and ideas. But they heard the word of God and they said, no, we're not going down that road. We have Jesus. We have Jesus. So read your Bible. Even remember, if, you, if you've been with us for a while and maybe heard this before, in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, he'd already told the Colossian church, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell in you richly. And as they had heard this letter, they were not just supposed to go, yeah, 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 I got it. But it, it was supposed to take them over, to dwell in them richly, to be that good soil that was going to be changed and molded and grow because of their interaction with this beautiful letter. So the first thing is read the Bible. The second thing is serve the Lord. If you look at verse 17, it says this, And I say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. This word ministry uh, most likely means the preaching and the shepherding, the leadership position within the church. And Paul says to this one man, he calls him out by name. He calls them out, he calls this man out by name, and he says, See to it that you fulfill the, the preaching or the, the, the shepherding ministry that you have been called to by the Lord. Now, I, I think that um, most of the time we have an authority structure, even if it's not, um, you know, maybe described or whatever, that people can call us and uh, on the phone, you know, maybe you get a, a call a sales call. Um, I remember getting this one on the phone. They left a message and it was, uh, I think it was for refinancing a house or something like that. And the guy says, I'm really surprised you haven't called me back yet. You know, and uh, I'm really surprised you haven't called me back. I sent you some information last week and you, you must have misunderstood it because it's such a great deal. You must call me today. You must call me today. And I remember smiling to myself and I go, that was a, that's a good try. You know, that was a good try. I'm not calling you today. Uh, it's going to be a sad day for you because if you're waiting for me to call, it's going to be just a long day of disappointment for you. You have no authority over me. You, we realize that, right? We have, we have different structures when people call when it's our boss. I, I have another friend who works at Oracle in uh, database stuff. I don't even know what that means, by the way. Um, he's, he's a computer guy, and he would hold, he, he says, he, we'd go out to lunch sometime, and he says, oh, I've got the Blackberry today. And I said, well, what does that mean, you got the Blackberry? And he says, oh, he says, the Blackberry, you don't want the Blackberry at my job. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he says, well, I'm, I'm on call, and if this thing goes off, I have an hour to respond. And if I don't respond, um, I could get fired for not responding. And I'm like, man, that, that must be, you know. And he says, yeah, sometimes uh, his customers were over in uh, Asia for the most part, banks in Asia. Well, banks in Asia are open different times than we're sleeping and stuff like that. And so many times in the middle of the night, he'd get a phone call 
He's got an hour to respond. He's got the blackberry. He's on the chain. He has to do He's compelled by that. He's compelled by that. Look at this, look at this verse. I, I know it seems maybe straightforward and simple. Archippus, Archippus, make sure you fulfill your ministry that you received from the Lord. Think about that. I don't know who he was. Picture it being one of you this morning. Okay? Colossian Church. We're part of, we're gathering to hear from God. Paul sent us this letter, super excited, everyone's there. Um, we come to the end of the letter, we come to the end of the letter, and they're sitting there, and everyone's enjoying hearing from God, and all of a sudden, you hear your name. Can you imagine that? That, that he says, uh, Cliff, special message for Cliff. Scott, you with me? Ken, can you imagine that? We don't know if this was the unofficial pastor of the church. We don't know if this was a young man sitting there. We don't know if this is an older man who'd been pushing the Lord away for a long time. But, but listen, this is so interesting to me. Forever, forever, this guy's name is written in the Word of God. He gets called out in front of his whole church and reminded that God has something for him. And forever, it's marked for us, even for us, to talk about it this morning. That's a big deal, isn't it? You see, God has an intention for you, and he wants to use you. And in this particular case, he was probably calling this man uh, to serve him in the ministry. We don't know why Paul uh, called him out. Maybe he was being lazy. Maybe he was being lazy and he goes, you know, uh, I realize that I should be doing these things and preaching and just, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I, I just have other things on my plate right now. I, I really can't fit it into my life. We, we don't know if he'd gone on to other things. Maybe he'd started following and seeking and shepherding and bringing the people together. But maybe one of them was uh, a pain to him. Maybe they treated him poorly. And he says, you know, I'll just go on to other things. You know, uh, it's just easier dealing with things that you can, you know, maybe he was a, a home builder. And, you know, he just says, I, I can take the lumber I can take the rocks, I can bend them to my will. But people, that doesn't work. People are messy. And so maybe he thought and he says, you know, I've just gone on to other things. I, I was cho choosing my career path and I started thinking this, but maybe not so much anymore. And so I've gone on to other things. There's even a possibility, because this is a message from God, that he was faithful on the outside of shepherding this church, of even preaching. But deep down inside, deep down inside, he was thinking of bolting. He was making plans. He's going, you know what? Right? I'm just, once I get enough money, I'm heading over to Laodicea. I'm done with this place. You know, I, I could get out of here. I could go do something. I'm thinking about bolting. Nobody else knows. I have told my wife, you know, I'm just thinking of getting out of here. And then the letter to the church at Colossae is read. It says, Archippus. And he goes, 
how did I get in this letter? God's unintention. I want to tell you, um, in the ministry of the gospel, there's a tendency, there's a tendency to abandon both by leaving and both and by disqualification. By leaving or disqualification. There's a sense in which as we involve ourselves in the work of the Lord, there's a tendency over time to say, oh, it's just too hard, I want to leave, I want to quit. There's a tendency towards that. There's also a tendency over time to stay in a position but to allow your life to fall apart in such a way that you would become disqualified and you discredit the Lord's ministry. I don't know what was going on in our chippus, but something that God intended, a message for Paul, a message that he would write, that he would send to this man, and he'd call him out forever. I feel sad for this guy, this poor guy. He must have been shocked that morning. You know, uh, there's, many, there's many opportunities for us to walk away from the Lord and to fail to uh, fulfill His function for us in the body of Christ. We could just choose the path of least resistance. We could seek after money or success. You, you know, it's funny... Uh, and, and I know this um, because I struggle with it in my own heart and I know a lot of pastors. Um, the funniest one is to be a pastor and to seek success. Seek success. Because uh, being a pastor is not all that successful most of the time. And I'm not saying financially. I'm saying that, uh, y- you know, if uh, in baseball they pitch a perfect game. If, you, you know, in many sports they... They have a shutout and uh, all these other different things. In the ministry, we don't do that very often. We're more failures than we are successes. And the reality of the church is it's a difficult place, and not that you are difficult, but that we are involved in something that is, I don't even say countercultural, it's more than that. It's counter-universe, right? It's totally different, and we have forces battling against us every day. And so if you want to be successful, try something else. Try something else. Think about us, and I I say, well, you know, how about us? How about those of us who are sitting here today? And what we're doing, are we seeking ourselves? Are we seeking the glory of God? Are we allowing ourselves to be stained by the world over and over again? So it would discredit the Lord's work? Do we lay the things that matter most aside for the things that don't matter at all? We allowed the devil to play us in such a way that he makes us ineffective in the plan of God. You see, I think these are the things, or I speculate these are the things that our Chippus was doing or was thinking about doing as he sat there and amidst the Colossian people and was called out for all of us to hear in the church forever. So, uh, read the Bible, serve the Lord, 
And the last point I have for you from the book of Colossians is in verse 18. It's to remember the worth of the gospel. Verse 18, it says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. With my own hand. I picture what that means. It's it's kind of the idea. You can picture this, and it's hard for us to imagine because we would always write a letter in our own hand or our own computer or rarely do do any of us say, um, you know, this is something really personal and important to me. You write it, you know, you write it down. It just doesn't happen that way. But the idea was that there were scribes in that day. And scribes are people that had writing that was very meticulous and it was small and it was because it was economical in the way they wrote and it was clear. And, and so as, as they would write, there was something that, that they would be able to see and Paul would have dictated to them, this is what you need to write. And the scribe would write it down. And we don't know if it was one of these messengers that we had already talked about, but they were writing it down. They were writing it down. And it comes to the end of the letter. And Paul says, give me that pen. I want to sign this one. I write it in my own hand. And I wonder, I wonder what his writing was like. You know, was it sloppy? (laughs) So they say, oh, that's Paul. That's Paul. Maybe it was kind of the... uh, Doctors, you know, doctors are famous for having uh, chicken scratches that are hard to read. If you'd see my uh, signature, you'd say, I wonder if he's in second or third grade, you know. But Paul, he grabs the pen, he, he, he marks it himself, and he says, I want you to know that this comes from me. I write it in my own hand. And he he gives this and he says, this is so important. I want you to get it. I want you to know that this is from the Apostle Paul. And in so doing that you would listen, not because it's from me, but because the Lord uh, is involved in taking over my message. He says this, though, as he makes sure that they know it's from him. He says, remember my chains. Remember my chains. How's that hit you? As you think about Paul writing this letter, and as he thinks about his own imprisonment, and possibly that he's got one here, and got one here, or got one here. And if he would have been Skyping with him and, and wanting him to see, he would have said, he would have held it up and shook it, and he said, Remember my chains. Remember them. Do you hear them? Do you hear them? Remember my chains. Paul wasn't saying, I am awesome. I am awesome. He wasn't saying, proud to be a prisoner. Proud to be a prisoner. He was saying, there's a price to be paid. There's a worth of the gospel. There's an importance of what we're doing. I think his message to them was really twofold. Don't forget about me. Pray for me. Remember me in my chains. I know it's hard to do, isn't it, sometimes? We fall into this category when it comes to our missionaries sometimes, right? It's hard for us to partner with them and to remember them in the difficult places they serve because we are not there. We don't see them. I think he's calling on them to remember the ministry that he has being imprisoned. 
But I also think he's calling him to a second thing, and that's to partner with him. Partner with him. As he held up his arm, he said, it's worth it. It's worth it. Do you see my chains? I am not ashamed of these chains. I am not one who is... Have you ever seen uh, on TV uh, celebrities when they get arrested? It happens all the time. You should be able to find one tomorrow if you'd like. You know, they, and, and they, they always arrest them. And, and there's this sense, you know, sometimes they put um, they put a, a sweatshirt hoodie on and they pull it down or they, they go. They, they hold up their hands and their handcuffs like this. Why? Why? Shame. Shame. You know what Paul's doing? He's walking out of the courthouse, if you will, walking out of the jail cell and he's shaking them and he's going, yep, here I am. Do it again, too, because what I have done to become a wearer of these chains is something that I'm not proud of, but I live for. I live for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I live for it, and it's worth being in chains. And so in him reminding them that he is in chains, He's maybe even telling them, partner with me, because you might be in chains too. I think the, as he ties up this book, he's saying to them, don't forget what we're doing. Don't forget what we're doing. For us here today, I think it's easy for us to forget what we're doing. To get involved in things that don't matter, to get stressed out about things that are never going to matter a month from now, maybe not even next week. That's beautiful. He's saying, don't forget, don't forget the gospel. Don't forget what we're doing. And this morning, as we conclude our look at the book of Colossians, I think we should hear that message that we should not forget the gospel. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would take your permanent marker on our hearts and write this message over and over again that we would not forget. God, I pray uh, because of the tendency that we have that was in the same hearts of those Colossian people, maybe in the heart of our Chippus, maybe in the heart of the others, as they were prone to forget, prone to forget what you had done for them and the life that you've given inside your son. God, I pray that you would mark us with this message, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, prompt us in the verses we've already gone over. I pray that you would continue to Cause us not to be tempted to follow false teachers and wrong answers for the simple reason that there's so much at stake. It is not just a wrong answer, but it is our lives. God, thank you for this time. Bless your church. Cause us to be a people who are walking in step with you. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. You are dismissed.